what would you do if you hired a coach or a nutritionist, a health coach, and they said, first of all, you can never have another French fry. You can never have a piece of cake, no chocolate, never mind a cheeseburger or even just cheese. Would you keep that person? I don't know about you, but I couldn't. My guest is a registered dietitian who is the person who would never tell you to give up anything. Kind of like me over here in this world of rebellious wellness. I say life includes cake. Life should be delicious. Carrie is so on board with that. She's also a great myth buster. And we're going to take on the keto diet, among other things. Listen in, peeps. This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who have a lot of living yet to do, who want to enjoy the ride for as long as they can in good health and with a sense of humor, maybe a little wine. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. Nonsense. I would say something else, but I'll keep it clean for now. Aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rebellious Wellness Over 50. Today, we're going to have some fun. I've already been laughing with this woman. My guest today is Carrie Gans. She is a nutrition expert. Gosh, you have so many credentials and things. <laughs> you could just introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, so good to be here with you. I'm Carrie Gans, and I am a registered dietitian. I'm also a certified yoga teacher. I do a lot of spokesperson work with various brands. I have a podcast myself called The Carrie Report. I've been featured on, I don't know, zillions of magazines, TV, always as a nutrition expert. And um, I just love to talk about health. So that's why I'm so glad to be here with you. And I'm so glad because not only are we going to talk about health, we're going to bust a few myths, which my listeners know that's one of my favorite things to do. And it seems that is also carries. And I think we should start with the keto diet. People want to love it. I don't think a lot of people know the difference between keto and paleo. And like every other diet, there are good versions and bad versions. What is it about keto? Is it healthy for everybody? All right, let's just say the keto diet, the original intent, which I don't even think people realize, is for children. Keto was designed to help children with epilepsy reduce their amount of seizures. And I learned about it. We're going forever ago when I actually was a uh, volunteer at a hospital in New York City. So much to my chagrin, when I see it's reappeared like four years ago, making the top list of Google diets in the United States, I was like, wait a second, why would anyone want to choose a diet that is medically prescribed for those with seizures? Anyway, what is it? It is a very, very high fat diet. 70 to 80% of calories is supposed to come from fat. That's a lot of cheese. I mean, that... (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. And actually, not even too much cheese because then you start to get the carbs from the cheese. So you have to be careful of carbs. Carbs are only, and I hate when I start to give numbers because no one wants to be a mathematician, but it's 5 to 10% of total calories. So it can range anywhere from 20 grams per day. And think of it this way one serving of carbohydrates, like one slice of bread, is 15 grams. So that's basically all you can have. And if you're talking dairy, a glass of milk 
has 12 grams. Okay, so you've already, if you had a slice of bread and a glass of milk, if you're doing the real true keto, which is a whole nother story because there's been a lot of variations, you're done. You're done for the day with your carbs. And so that's your carbs, 5 to 10, 70 to 80 for fat, and the remaining for protein. It's crazy. It sounds crazy. And, and I mean, but this is what people are choosing. They're choosing this because it's an elimination diet. And unfortunately, so many people in today's world, they want an easy fix. Yeah. And what's the easiest thing to do with any of these diets? Eliminate. Oh, mm-hmm. I'll just cut that out of what I eat. Oh, that's easy. All or nothing mentality. Yeah. Until all of a sudden that all or nothing mentality bites you in the butt and you can't keep it up. And then you go back to doing whatever you were doing before. Yeah. And that is a great point. It is so hard to become an all or nothing person unless you are already a type all or nothing. There are some people, they're fine. I'm going to cut out. Some people, it's just, right, because it's easier. It's easier to say, wait a second, I need to learn something. I need to learn how to eat better. And also, which the average American has no patience for, is to be patient. (laughs) It takes time. You know, it's like somebody comes to me and they want to lose 20 pounds in a month. Like it didn't take you one month to gain those 20 pounds. Why would you think that you could lose them all in one month? And that's not even to mention with so many of these crazy diets, if you're on them for long term, it could really be besides that you've learned nothing. They could also be detrimental to your health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's little plant nutrition in a keto diet, right? Right. So if you talk about keto is again, five to 10% of carbs. Well, wait a second vegetables, fruit, anything with fiber is not going to make it in the keto diet. And why do we want fiber? I mean, how much time do we have? There's so many reasons. <laughs> we, want, we want fiber for our gut, for a healthy digestive system. A lot of people are familiar with the word and kind of spoke about this before and we'll get more into it, but the word prebiotic. So that's a lot of those fibers, which are healthy for your gut. Also, the fiber helps prevent hopefully constipation. It's good for your blood sugars because it digests slower in your body than some of these simple sugars that speed up your um, blood sugar. Or it's also good for heart because these fibers have been associated with decreased cholesterol levels. So there's so many reasons we should be eating fiber. And on a keto diet, it's like, uh, no, thank you. We'll take out that very important component of health and we'll just remove it off the plate here. Not important. I mean, that's why I just, I know I repeat myself. It's just crazy. It is crazy. And people fall for it. Well, and people also very, I don't know how to percentageize this, but I would say not a lot of people, average everyday people want to go find grass fed, humanely raised, grass finished meats. Never mind. And keto is heavy on meat, heavy on bacon. Every recipe has bacon in it, which is, (laughs) I love bacon. That's great. But on us as a steady, so when you're eating those foods that are raised, those animal proteins that are raised on factory farms, they're fed grains and corn. What kind of quality meat do you think you're getting? Not exactly perfect. Yeah, there's so many factors, right? And there's so many different issues and depending upon what the feed is for for those animals you're eating, the care for those animals, I mean, the whole sustainability issue, we can go on and on about that. But really from a health perspective, it's sometimes what we're not consuming. So we focus so much on what we should avoid. Okay, so a diet like the keto, or you mentioned like paleo, it's all about what you shouldn't have. 
mm-hmm. going back to the original Atkins diet, what you shouldn't have. People don't really like to focus, well, what should I eat more of? Mm-hmm. Because changing the whole approach to be more positive. And I think that will resonate more with a consumer if we could only switch the conversation mm-hmm. and not make it so much about what you can't do. Because mm-hmm. everybody then wants to rebel against that. Yeah. Okay. And it's as soon as you hear you can't have something, I mean, in a way, it does make somebody want it that much more. Yeah. I mean, these diets that are designated to remove foods, that's one part of it. And then they teach a person nothing. And then a person thinks, okay, so for the rest of my life, let me understand this. I can't eat a piece of cake. <laughs> no. I mean, anybody who's being taught that is missing the whole point about living a healthy lifestyle. Because besides what we ingest, there's also the mental component. Yeah of what it does to us. And mm-hmm. I would rather never, th- I mean, you know, you and I spoke about this before we started recording. Like, could you imagine life without French fries? I mean, no. what would be the point? If somebody right. said to me, that's it, Carrie, you can never have another French fry again. I'd be like, well, that doesn't work for me. But if you told me you could have French fries, but let me tell you what else you can have along with those French fries. You can have the Brussels sprouts. You can have the fish. You can even have that grass-fed burger if you want, because it's not an all or nothing. Right. Now, when you, know, you it's, it's interesting, all this all or nothing. You made an interesting point about people don't learn anything when they get this thing they're going to follow. So, talk a little bit about learning and how does that help people eat better, more healthfully? Well, because you want to learn about how to believe it or not fit in all foods. Mm-hmm. All right. And now that gets tricky. Wait a second. That's not the mentality. I've always thought. If I'm looking to lose weight, now remember, there's different health goals. Not everybody wants to lose weight. Right. Somebody might be eating because they have a history of heart disease in their family, or they have a history of diabetes, or they just are eating better to improve their immune health. There's many different reasons a person might be choosing to eat a certain way. But if you tell, tell them that how we want to teach you is about restriction, well, that backfires. Instead of teaching them okay, this is what a healthy plate looks like. Mm. This is the foods that you should enjoy more on a regular basis. These are the foods that you don't focus as much on, but they're totally allowed. And then there's one step, well, there's a couple of steps further. When it comes to the food that we choose, then you really have to be honest and say, okay, I can eat a well-balanced diet, but maybe I am following a vegan diet. I'm not saying that's better or worse, but what I'm talking about, it's your choice. Now you need to look at, well, do I supplement with that diet? Is there something that I'm not going to get enough of, like B12, if you're vegan, okay? If you are allergic to seafood, let's just say, maybe you might be taking omega-3 fatty acids. You could get plant-based, but maybe you've chosen, the research has shown omega-3 fatty acids could be beneficial. So maybe you're supplementing and there's lots of different supplements that a person could consider. Or then you also have to think about, am I sleeping? Am I getting enough exercise? Mm -hmm. We can go on and on. It's not also just about food. There's so many more components to our health. Absolutely. And you said something or pointed to your head, which reminded me, there's so much going on in our brains with all of this, this diet, that diet, you know, CAFO food, meat is bad and this is good. I mean, it's just hard for people to make a clear decision for themselves because they have so many influences coming at them, including from friends and family. 
Oh, I always say just because your friend is eating a certain way, doesn't that mean, doesn't mean it's the way you should eat. We're all different. And a buzzword nowadays is microbiome. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about microbiome. And you're like, what, what is microbiome? It's the bacteria in our gut. It's the makeup. I, I kind of think of it as like a little, all these little bacteria floating around. I don't know if that's the vision, but that's how I like to think of it. And, but everyone's different. Yours completely different than mine, different than my mother's, different than my sister, different than my husband's. So there is no one steadfast rule of what might be good for one person versus another. But, and this is the big but, we know that there are certain things we could do overall that are beneficial for all of us. And beneficial, let's say, for our microbiome, beneficial for our heart, beneficial for our bones. And and why not try to do all that? Like, this is what I don't understand. People are, it's almost as if more people, and it is overwhelming. I get that. But I also think people make it overwhelming. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I know it's confusing. And some people say, well, easy for you to say, Carrie, you know, you know it. But I'm like, but I get confused. Mm-hmm. I actually still google things okay but i do look for the source okay the source is very important i'm looking for the studies the research because every day we're hearing something else every day we're hearing a new term that we're like whoa what is that or something a new product something that's good for us that we have no idea what it is it's true and a lot of or if we should even do it right Right. But then how do you, how does the average consumer of information make that determination without a whole plan? So like you said, right. if you're not eating certain things, you may want to supplement. Well, a lot of the world has been made to believe that we should all be taking supplements. They don't even talk about what is in our diet. They're like, we need right. omega-3s, we need D, we need that. And I do agree that right. D is important. So I'm not going down that path of saying anything's wrong. Just right. that right. you made a really important distinction about how to supplement. It is a supplemental right. addition to yes. not the thing. Yes. It's not no, like one thing is going to sil- make up for everything else that we're not doing. It, nothing is a silver bullet. Right. Okay. You started saying how we both love to debunk. It's like, oh, apple cider vinegar. All of a sudden, everybody's running to the store to buy apple cider vinegar. Where's the research? Where's the research? And let's suppose, okay, add it to your salad. There's not saying you can't use it, but if you think apple cider vinegar is going to cure all your woes, well, then you're sadly mistaken. I mean, Mm -hmm. we can go on and on with products like that. How I determine is, and it's hard for the consumer, I will admit, you need to find your trusted sources, first and foremost. So like when I say I look at something, I read an article, I actually look to see if there's any research to support Mm -hmm. that article. And I have those sources that I trust, that I continually go to. I don't just because my friend says, try this, do I rush and try it? I need to know a little bit more before I do. And personally, and as a professional, I mean, that's why over the years I have partnered with brands. And usually it's the first thing I ask them is, where's the science? You know, if you're going to have me out there speaking about something, Where is the science to support that? It's very important. And, you know, we spoke about before we started. Yes, everyone, we had a bit of a nice chat. (laughs) We spoke about that right now. I'm working with a brand. And I just feel like I'm going to bring it up now because I think it's a perfect example of what we're talking about. And I work with a brand, Epicor, and it's the number one leading postbiotic. And already people might be saying, you meant probiotic, right? (laughs) Or you meant prebiotic. No, I mean postbiotic. And postbiotic is actually 
fermentation. So we talk about all these fermented foods. We've heard about it, kimchi, uh, yogurt, how fermentation, this good bacteria, when consumed, if it has a benefit on the host, then it's good for us. So that makes it a probiotic. It has to have a beneficial effect on its host. Mm -hmm. Probiotic, prebiotic, and now postbiotic. So postbiotic also, it's a fermented food that you consume that has a benefit on its host. But here's the difference. When we talk about probiotics, those are living microorganisms. So back to that whole, when I mentioned, think about all these things floating around in your microbiome, you know, these live bacteria. So probiotics are living. The postbiotics, and why I love the idea of the postbiotics, this whole process happens outside your body. Fermentation creates these metabolites, and then they get dried into a powder, put into a little capsule. There's nothing living in that, and you take that. That is your postbiotic. Your probiotic is you're consuming something, you're ingesting this live bacteria, it's doing its wonders, it's creating its metabolites in, in your system versus outside of your system. Okay, I mean, I know it gets confusing, but when we talk about supplementation, this is where something like a postbiotic, sometimes the people get the aha moment. They're like, well, I don't love fermented foods. And I've been told now eating these types of foods, the research shows that they are good for digestive health and they are good for immune health. Good in the way that I should say support it. Okay. They support your immune health. They support your digestive health. But if you're not eating those foods, right. you're missing out. I'm not eating. I mean, yes, I love yogurt. I really love pickles, but not all pickles have post or probiotics in them. So, because it depends upon the process of how they're pickled, I take a postbiotic almost as if it's a safety net. I'm not consuming enough of these fermented foods to have this potential effect of digestive health and immune health. So I'm going to take a postbiotic as a just-in-case because the research supports it. Yeah. The studies that I have read on a brand like Epicor. Now, there's other brands in everything that we do in different foods, but I always say to people, if there's any health claims being made, you want to make sure that they're backed up by science, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. Did yeah, I confuse I, you? I think you did a great. I, I just want to. I, I want to just throw in that a metabolite for persons that don't know what a metabolite is. It's just a byproduct, right? It, exactly. A, something byproduct. happens, and then something else happens. Think of a factory. Back to our microbiome. Think of all the stuff going on in our bellies, and now you have the factory workers. First, you got to feed those hungry workers. So those are the prebiotics. That's the fiber. Okay. That's the food for the bacteria. Now the bacteria is doing all their stuff. They're having these great benefits. The probiotics, they're the workers. Okay. Those metabolites, those end results, those result in postbiotics. But that can happen outside the body. Mm -hmm. And when it happens outside the body and you ingest it, it, it's kind of like ensuring that you're getting enough because everybody's body is different. So you might actually produce different amount of metabolites than I might 
if we're not taking the non-living version. I always say maybe it's a little confusing only because when I first was introduced to it all, I had a zillion questions. But I will say that the whole area of microbiome is fascinating. And, you know, we talk about these crazy diets out there like keto, which is missing out on this. And there's, and there's many others where they are so focused on perhaps one food that they're missing a point that the synergy of everything we eat becomes important in our lives. Just the way the synergy of everything we do is important, mm-hmm. the same way of the synergy of everything that happens within our bodies. Not just one thing. Nothing is that black and white. No, absolutely not. And the microbiome, certainly people have heard about it. And it is, it's not hard to find good science proving that this is an important part of our wellness that we must pay attention to. And people say, how many more things? Well, I don't know. Science will keep coming (laughs) up with stuff. But right now, the basics are brain, bones, bowels, micro, right? Like there are like maybe six things. And if you eat well and live well, you're covered. But now yeah, we know well, something. They, now we know about something yes. called postbiotics. We may not have known that until this moment. But what the heck? I mean, now we know something good, right? We could add something. Now we, if know, we feel right. like we're not eating enough on the front end. Correct. It's always looking at our diet first. Yeah. Okay, and that's where it begins, and then we fill in the gaps. Okay, and that's where it's different for everyone. There's other supplements. I've been taking calcium for as long as I can remember. And because I honestly don't think I eat enough foods rich in calcium. Now, Mm -hmm. one could say, oh, it's not that hard to get. Well, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe it isn't, but it is for me. Okay. And yes, I eat a lot of green vegetables, but you need a lot of green vegetables to get 1200 milligrams of calcium a day. Okay. I'm not getting it, but it's very easy for me to take a calcium supplement. So I do it. Mm-hmm. And do I have a do I have twenty supplements? No, okay, not even close. But I've narrowed down my diet, and that's you know over the years working with people uh, in a private practice, you have to look at somebody what they're eating, be realistic, and like how I said earlier, you know, if you're a vegan, maybe there are certain things you're not getting. If you're a young vegan, maybe you're not getting enough iron. You know, different than being a postmenopausal vegan. We wouldn't worry about iron. So mm-hmm. age makes a difference. Activity level makes a difference. There's so many things that come into play. And I know we spoke about this already. It can get it can get overwhelming. It can. But if you kind of just focus on, all right, for starters, let's just eat more fruits and vegetables. Okay? Let's just start there. And then one could say, well, wait a second, should they be organic? And I'm going to be, that's a conversation for another time. Mm-hmm. Right now, what fruits and vegetables can you find in your local supermarket that you enjoy eating? Let's start there. We have to start somewhere. And then once you do that, and you want to make a decision about going organic. I mean, not necessarily for nutritional reasons, but for environmental reasons, then you make that decision. But you shouldn't feel bad if you're not eating organic. Right. Now, is that the basic premise of your book? The small change diet? Yes. The premise is you start somewhere. I always joke, it's like for the person who's not eating breakfast and all of a sudden they're telling me they're eating a donut, (laughs) you would think, oh my God, they're eating a donut? I'll be like, well, they're eating something. And then once they get, they're like, oh, this isn't so hard to grab a donut. Maybe then they grab a flavored yogurt. Okay. And then maybe, wait a second, I got this down. Maybe then it goes to a plain yogurt and they add a 
bowl of fresh fruit. You know, it's like building on success. Mm -hmm. And also back to that whole being individual. Maybe breakfast is not your thing. Maybe you struggled with dinner. You're like, oh my God, dinner, I'm always doing fast food. Then you're like, all right, well, maybe you start making a one better decision. You know, maybe it wasn't that double cheeseburger. Maybe it's a single cheeseburger and a side salad. They have them, okay? They, they're at fast food restaurants, okay? Maybe it's that slice of pizza without the pepperoni. It now has vegetables on top. I'm not saying do away with the pizza. Right. It starts somewhere, make it a little bit better, and then you keep building on it. And then before you know it, you're feeling so good. You're like, huh, I got rid of that pepperoni. I have broccoli on my pizza. You're feeling great. You're like, you know what? I'm living on the edge. I'm going to add a salad <laughs> to eat with my pizza. All right. And before you know it, maybe one day you're like, you know what? I don't even feel like this pizza. I feel like a piece of fish. I'm just saying that might be a big leap at first, but it's doable. Right. It's amazing if we give ourselves the time to evolve. Instead of putting these, oh my God, it's January 1st and I have 30 days to lose all my weight. Right? That's crazy talk. But if you approach everything, it's even with exercise, you know, you've been sitting on your couch a little too long, binge watching your favorite program. Trust me, I know. You all of a sudden be like, I can't run a marathon. Well, no one's asking you to run a marathon. We're just asking you to get off your couch. Right. Can you walk 15 <laughs> minutes? Can you walk? I mean, that's it. Walk for 15 yeah. minutes, one day. And then you're like, wait, this isn't so bad. I can now walk for 30 minutes. And then the next day I could do it twice a week and you keep building. And yes, that's why I wrote the small change diet. Uh, it was all about what I had heard from my patients over the years. Mm. And we always would create plans afterwards. And the plan wasn't eat more fruits and vegetables. The plan was add a side salad to dinner. Mm hmm. It wasn't eat more fruit. It was, I'm going to have a piece of fruit as dessert with my lunch. When are you going to do it? And notice what we're, we're adding. Because when we start to add, other things kind of fall. We're not saying, oh, I'm going to only eat meat and I'm not going to eat any vegetables. I'm going to see the pounds melt away. They're going to melt away, true, on keto. And my approach is going to take a lot longer. But my approach, and many others like me, it's going to last a lifetime. That's what we hope. We don't want someone on the keto diet putting themselves potentially at increased risk for multiple diseases. Mm -hmm. The research is a little crazy out there on keto, but a lot of those diets where people have done well on keto, it's been short term. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, you know, 10 years from now, what the research shows for someone who's been on keto for a long time, yeah. not, not a month or two months, but on the month or two months when they've lost all this weight on a diet like keto, then they end up going back to their regular eating. And all of a sudden, it's like the weight's coming back. Because what have they learned? They've learned nothing. And then they're on to the next diet of the day. Whatever mm -hmm. that is, I don't know what it's going to be. But just when I didn't expect keto, there it was. There's, there's always something that yeah. we don't expect. Yeah, I remember when it was the zone diet, and then it was the <laughs> South Beach diet. And that, like oh, these are oh, iterations of... Wait. Right. But you know, what's so funny. It's like, I would take the zone in South beach any day now over yeah. something like keto. Right. Okay. Believe it or not, we're less restrictive. Mm -hmm. And I, what people don't even realize is that the original Atkins wasn't meant to be as restrictive long-term. It was just supposed to be short-term. Mm -hmm. The 
initial phase of Atkins was very, very low carb. But the longer you were on it, you were supposed to evolve and start adding carbs. But because the average American gets so excited when something happens, they're like, oh my God, I'm losing weight. I'm just going to stay in this phase forever. Mm-hmm. And then when they can't keep it up, they'll say the diet doesn't work. Right. But did they actually follow it the true way? I was, I was talking to somebody the other day who actually works, well, she was on my podcast and we did an episode on the keto diet specifically. And she works at an epilepsy center mm. and she's getting adults now who want to go on keto. But the interesting thing was, is she's giving them modified keto. Mm-hmm. So they actually think they're on keto, <laughs> but they're really not that much on keto. And I was laughing because I was like, the only problem with that is all these people are going off and telling their friends that they're on keto, thinking that it's working wonders, but they're really not. They're not only having one slice of bread a day because she is a dietitian would never restrict somebody like that. Yeah. So she's actually giving them a liberal keto, but they're around telling all their friends I'm on keto and they're not even doing it the true way. So I don't know. It just all gets crazy. <laughs> it really does get crazy. And especially as we age, I'm not saying that the metabolism really slows down. However, things take longer. Hormones in flux will mess you up. So whenever I'm working with somebody, the same thing. I want to lose 30 pounds. My daughter's getting married. How long? 30 days. I said, I'm not doing that. What we're going to do is give you a goal. We're going to take the time out of it and we're going to reward your activity and your changes and your choices, not the number on the scale. Of course, I want a person to lose weight if that's their goal, but that number thing, it's crazy making. Well, it's so funny. I used to get a lot when I was in private practice, those that wanted to lose weight for their wedding. And it used to drive me crazy because I used to say to them, all right, so then what happens? So then your wedding comes. Now, what do you gain all your weight back? And then you get, and, and you're married, great. Do you gain all your weight back? Then you have children. And now you want to start dieting in front of your children. I said, you're going to have to be a role model. You can't set yourself up for this. I'll help you lose weight. I mean, I think they just humored me. I would be like, I'm helping you lose weight for the rest of your life. I know your focus is just the wedding, but I can't look at it that way because right. I think you then have a responsibility to yourself and for future generations. Mm-hmm. You know, Whether that was being too, I don't know, harsh, I don't know, but that's how I felt. Well, I think honesty is good in this conversation with people. Well, you know, it's also interesting. You just mentioned as we age. So I just did an interview for prevention and it was about losing weight over 50. What do I recommend? You know, first it started with how should they figure out their calories? And then I was like, At any age, I don't recommend figuring out your calories, okay? I mean, they probably won't put that in there because they were looking probably for somebody to give them a specific amount of calories. I said, but I don't tell people that. What I tell people as they age, what I will stress are two things. Because we lose muscle mass Mm -hmm. as we age and muscle burns more calories than fat. So if you lose muscle and you have more fat in your body, your weight will start changing because you are actually burning less calories at rest. That's what happens. So you do need to all of a sudden eat less unless, and not eat a ton less, but less. Unless you really do your best. And it's hard because I was even complaining to my husband about this this morning, is that you really need to keep up with your exercise. You have to keep up with building muscle. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as I was saying 
oh my God, lately I've only been doing yoga two to three days a week. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? And I used to always do it almost five days a week. I'm like, okay, this is not acceptable. I'm getting older. I need to be upping my yoga, not doing less. And, you know, we don't want to hear that, but it's really what we should be doing. And we should also be thinking about protein. Now, this is where it gets tricky. When I say think about protein, I'm not saying go on a high protein diet. I'm not saying give up carbs, but I am saying our body wants protein because protein builds and repairs muscles. So every meal, especially as you get older, you need to make sure you're getting protein on your plate every single meal. When we think of people getting older, I don't know who does this anymore, but it's like the breakfast just with a cup of tea and a slice of buttered toast. Okay. I mean, I, I would say keep the buttered toast. I do it, but add an egg on top. Right. Okay. You, you want the protein. You need the protein. I'm with you. Number two of my five pillars is protein at every meal and snack. And again, it doesn't mean oh. a high protein amount of protein. Right. Just, I mean, a handful of nuts as a snack versus chips or cookie or, you know, whatever. And I'm not against right. chips or cookies, but there's no protein in either of those that I can tell. Maybe there's you, a smidge in a no, cookie, but maybe if it had cooked <laughs> with an egg, maybe, you know. All right. I think you're being generous. Um, okay. But yeah. Well, because like, I like my know, cookies it, sometimes. You know what? You have your cookie with a glass of milk. There you That's go. so funny. You I have some milk. milk. Yeah. A glass of milk. I will still drink chocolate milk because oh God, I, love, I chocolate. love chocolate milk. And there's no reason not to drink it. I think it's funny how people think, oh no, too much sugar. Well, let's think what else is in that chocolate milk, okay? The protein, the calcium, the vitamin D. I mean, we get so hung up on one nutrient mm -hmm. that it sets, it, it just, we got to focus not on single nutrients because we don't eat single nutrients. We right. eat food. <laughs> this is we don't want too much sugar. We don't want too much sugar in our body, but let's define too much. I mean, a cookie a day, fine, okay? Right. If all that you were eating was cookies, candy, and all of that, well, then we'd have a different conversation. That would be too exactly. much. But putting certain foods off limits, and especially for our children or grandchildren, I love the story was I was the first one who, for my granddaughter, gave her ice cream. And my son was like, I didn't expect that from you, being <laughs> that I was the nutritionist. I was like, what do you mean you didn't expect that from me? She is almost seven. She's a sweetaholic. I mean, she just oh, loves her sweets. But anyway, it wasn't because I gave her ice cream. It's because kids like their sweets. And yeah. the more you tell a child they can't have it, the more they're going to want it. It's okay. They can have some. We can have some. It's just not to replace everything else. Exactly. And what comes to mind is the sweetness of life. You know, we use food and we use sweet foods for celebratory reasons, for shared experiences, for comfort, whatever. So as long as they're within a manageable range of, of doing it, then people Then please. why not, right? Well, because, you know, you think about it. Food is part of our culture. And if you start putting all these restrictions and parameters, it makes it stressful. And don't mm -hmm. we have enough stress in our life and, and it doesn't have to be around mealtime? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I do think that as parents and grandparents, I mean, it's harder because we don't think as grandparents, we need to be those role models. We're just supposed to be there for fun, but it's also important to be a role model. It's important to show that, okay, maybe you don't like it now. I give my grandkids salad. They don't necessarily have to eat it. 
Maybe they're just eating the little grape tomatoes and the cucumbers, but it's important for them. The same way it's important for us at any age to try to eat, to approach eating in a manner that provides health, nutrition, but also enjoyment. It has to be all, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Absolutely. Carrie Gans, tell people where they can find you and learn more about your conversations, your podcast. My podcast is The Kerry Report, and you can find it on my website, which is kerrygamsny.com. You can also listen to my podcast on Apple, on Stitcher, on Lipson. It's, it's basically everywhere where podcasts are. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter, which is also called The Kerry Report. And there I share a lot of the articles that I've been quoted in to give you my take on different nutrition, diet things that I'm being asked by the media on. And you certainly have the credentials and the experience, years worth of experience to be that expert voice. So I appreciate you being with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure to be here anytime. Thank you so much. We might have to have you back when the next diet craze comes up. I'll have you back and you can debunk that myth. Right. I'll see you soon then because we know there's one right around the corner. Always, it seems. (laughs) Thanks again, Carrie and people. Be well till next time. I'll be back next week with another exceptionally great guest. Thank you for being here. Hey, peeps, before you run, in case you're not 100% sure you're doing everything you can to age as well as you can, which means you'll feel better longer, you might want to check out my Age Better Lifestyle Assessment. It will give us a clear picture of where you are now and what small changes you might want or need to make to improve how you feel, how you look, and how you age. Check it out at rebelliouswellnessover50.com in the Work with Greg section. Thanks.